The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now, here's your host, Mary Woods. Good afternoon, everybody. This is your guest host today, Jonathan Ruthier, and welcome to One Hour at a Time. It's almost the 1st of September already in 2015, and I hope everybody has enjoyed their summer uh, as it comes to a crashing halt here in New England. Um, we are really excited about um, our, our show today and our two guests who are joining us from PRN for Families. And the title of our show today is Family Preservation, a Community-Based Model of Support for Struggling Families. Our two guests are Charles Elias and Mary Jo DeGrandy. And just as by way of introduction, Charles is a clinical social worker. He's the founder and owner of PRN for Families. He holds a bachelor's degree in social work with a minor in youth agency administration from Colorado State University. His master's degree in social work came from the University of Denver. He's licensed as a social worker and addictions counselor in Colorado, as well as similarly licensed in seven other states. Charles is trained in the family preservation model by the, or he was trained in the family preservation model by the Home Builders Program of the State of Washington, uh, the Institute for Family Development. And PRN for Families is built around that model. And joining Charles today is Mary Jo DeGrandi. She's the Director of Outreach and Marketing at PRN for Families, and she's been with, uh, working with families on youth at risk for over 20 years. She holds a master's degree in eco-psychology that focuses on the connection between human behavior, health, and the natural environment. She has professional experience both in therapeutic and academic settings and has held leadership positions in therapeutic boarding schools, outdoor behavioral health care programs, and residential child care programs. She's intensively trained in dialectical behavior therapy, family systems, and equine therapy, and is a longtime advocate of community-based support for families. And so it's my pleasure to welcome uh, both of you to the show today and to talk about uh, home-based support and community-based support for families. So thank you both for joining. You're welcome. You're welcome. Glad to be here. So, um, so Charles, I thought, you know, it would be great to um, have you talk a little bit about what um, this model is about. What is a community-based model of support for struggling families? Okay, well, family preservation uh, basically focuses a uh, intensive family therapy model. It's a systems approach. So by a system, we mean that we're working with all members of the family, parents and siblings, and it's really a team approach to working with families because you hear a lot of times uh, students going away to get treatment or various members of the family go off uh, into therapy, you know, our model really treats the whole family as a unit. You know, oftentimes there's dynamics and patterns of behavior involved that, you know, only come into play in the family's home. 
and, you know, obviously an individual therapist would have a pretty hard time identifying some of those patents uh, when, you know, a family member is sitting in the office, you know, working on their own individual issues. So I think that's really what makes us fairly unique. I mean, we are a family systems model and we treat, you know, the family as a whole. So um, how did this how did this model develop? Well, um, for me, um, you know, as you can probably tell, uh, I'm not originally from the United States. Uh, born and raised in London, England, um, and uh, I came over to study in Colorado and uh, got my bachelor's and master's degree in social work. And um, when I was studying my master's uh, level work, I took a particular interest in working with, in, uh, with families and uh, did several independent studies focusing on the family system. And I became very interested in a model called the family preservation model, which at that time was called home builders. Uh, now it's just called family preservation. Um, and I ended up going out to Federal Way, Washington uh, for the uh, training, which is at the Institute of Family Development. And, you know, I learned a lot about kind of the intensity of that model and um, was able to actually implement the model with uh, some families struggling um, in the community um, and uh, working with the social services system and, and originally the, the model was developed to reduce the out-of-home placements into foster care. It was a public sector model. And again, the mission here is to keep families together and to avoid, you know, the breakup of the family. Uh, what we have done, uh, as such is kind of duplicate the model, um, with, you know, some, uh, variation, uh, so that our model is a, a hybrid version of, you know, kind of the original family preservation model. And we work, you know, with families across the country, an outreach model um, yeah. that are in need. Um, and, um, you know, we, we do, you know, we're a private program, so families do have to have some resources, and we also take some insurance, which, you know, will cover our, some of our services. I think the other thing, if I could chime in, um, is that, you know, what, what we have found is that many times families um, who do end up having to um, look at uh, residential programs or out-of-home placement for a loved one in their family, um, then pursue that sort of treatment. Um, and then when that person, and, and, and for parents, for families, often we're talking about adolescents or young adults, um, when the child or young adult is coming back into the home, we found that often the family, although they've had some relief and um, gathered some, some therapeutic tools and uh, resources for being able to reincorporate their family member back into their home and, and try to make things work in a healthier, uh, uh, on a healthier path, that they often don't have all the resources that they need or they flounder a little bit with trying to implement some of those resources or tools. So 
the the family preservation model, the, the model that parent oh. families uses, um, is really about getting into the home and into the home community and supporting a family and creating this safety net, this network of professionals and paraprofessionals. We make use of, of mentors, peer mentors in the community as well to try to support the whole family system in continuing their process of healing and growth together as a family so that they can sustain a healthier, healthier relationship throughout the family system. And, you know, you've both mentioned working with the entire family system at once. And, you know, how does that differ from maybe traditional therapeutic methods? Well, um, you know, I think with our approach, we are, as I mentioned, an outreach model. Now, what that means exactly is we're kind of like a mobile unit, okay? So if we get a call from a family, for example, in southern Florida that is struggling um, and has exhausted all the community resources. What we do is we kind of dispatch our team out there and we actually go into the home for a period of five days and we evaluate the needs of the families. We're right there in their home, right, and in their comfort zone, and we can very quickly... uh, you know, see a lot of different dynamics that one perhaps would not see sitting in a therapist's office. You know, when families are in the comfort of their own home, uh, they tend to have their, their defense mechanisms down and, you know, they tend to act, you know, um, fairly, well, what, what I would consider normal. Um, but, you know, I, I think... When they go into a therapeutic office, you know, the walls are up and they're very conscious about, you know, sitting in a therapist's office and, you know, so I think might, um, you know, definitely uh, be selective about what they say. They're much more guarded. Um, You know, families often ask me, well, gosh, you know, we could probably hold it together for five days if you come into our home to evaluate us. Well, not exactly true. You know, I think families can hold it together maybe for 24 hours, but it's very hard, you know, when uh, we get into the home with families for them to hold it together for any extended period of time. And I I think if I could um, chime in, you know, by hold it together, I think um, Charles is referring to that, sort of that, putting up that facade of, you know, the happy, well-functioning family, what we're really trying to do is see families as naturally and normally as possible, warts and all. And in fact, that's really helpful because we want to see the dynamics, both the healthy, strong parts of the family, as well as those parts that aren't as well-functioning because we can use the strengths to the benefit of the family and take a look at the parts of the family system that aren't functioning so well and then look at what kind of resources can we pull in to help support um, them in healing those in those places. And also just to clarify, when we come in with this um, to, to assess and evaluate and observe a family, we're, we're coming in with clinical eyes. Um, but ultimately, mm-hmm. we're serving, Pirin is coming in to serve really as consultants and helping to create a network 
within the family's home community. So we are interacting with and communicating with the, the family's therapist, the individual therapist, the family therapist, the couples or marriage um, therapist, if, if that's the case, with the school, folks in the schools, um, with all, you know, again, the mentors, with whomever it is that is coming around to the family to support them in their home community, with the ultimate goal of backing out and having the family have this really nice supportive network who are communicating with each other, again, to continue to support that family in their, um, their movement forward um, in, in healthy and productive relationships. And so when you, when you talk about being in home with the family for, say, five days, are you literally there 24 hours a day or is this, you know, sort of you're in for periods of time and doing things side by side with folks? How does that, how does that look? Well, this really depends on the family. Uh, when we started the program, which was about 12 years ago, uh, we would always stay in the home with the family uh, for a period of five days. So we would be kind of like a house guest. Um, so yeah. we would really be kind of embedded in the family unit. Um, the problem with that is, you know, some families simply don't feel comfortable with a perfect stranger uh, nonetheless, a therapist living in their home for five days. So now we we do give families a choice. Mm-hmm. The choice is we can either stay in the home with them for the period of five days, or we can stay someplace close by and just come in and out of the home. Um, Great. So, I mean, either way, it's, it certainly is a very intensive involvement. And uh, when we come back from the break, I think... Uh, it would be great to talk a little bit more about, you know, what are the activities that take place and how you help a family in this model uh, by being so intensively involved with them. So, again, we're going we're gonna to go to commercial break, and we'll be, we'll be back uh, after a couple minutes with our guests, Charles Elias and Mary Jo DeGrandy. Listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence based practices, consensus practices, and old fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family center recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. We are bombarded daily with information about beauty products and anti-aging treatments. Do you know how they have been tested? Are they truly going to make a change or just take the change out of your pocket? Tune in to Shelly's Show and Tell with host Shelly Hancock. We'll bring you the top-rated skincare products and treatments tested by Real Transformation Skin Care Centers. We'll motivate you to make the best changes. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. And welcome back, everybody, to One Hour at a Time. Uh, this is Jonathan Ruthier, your guest host, and our two guests today are Charles Elias and Mary Jo DeGrandi. They both are from PRN for Families, which is a home-based program for families who have children or teenagers who are having difficulty or who are at imminent risk of being separated from their family. They specialize in intensive in-home crisis intervention, consultation, collaboration with schools, programs, and consultants, and in-home family assessment. And as we, uh, you know, as we talk about that in-home family assessment, Charles, um, I'm sure, you know, our listeners are wondering, you know, what does that look like? Um, just before the break, we were talking about how, you know, for some families, you actually stay in their home for the, you know, the five-day uh, consultation period. For others, you stay nearby. But, but there's a lot of intensity and, and uh, a great deal of uh, involvement there, isn't there? Yeah, and and you know our uh, family assessment um, is you know in part uh, formal and uh, other respects fairly informal. Um, you know, for example, I you know on the first day I show up to the home and I bang on the door. A lot of times I've never ever met the family or the student before. I might have just been talking to them on the phone, or I might have had a video conference with them. Uh, in some cases, you know, I would, uh, you know, perhaps visit a student coming out of a program if they're reintegrating back into the community. But a lot of times I might not have ever met the, the family members face-to-face. So the first day um, is fairly unstructured. I mean, my focus is on building rapport, getting to know the family members, spending time talking with each member of the family, uh, just being a part of the family. It's kind of like embedded in the family unit. Uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, we'll sit and eat dinner, uh, or if their students have extracurricular activities, you know, I might just tag along. Uh, you know, for example, we just worked with a kid who was involved in ice hockey, and, you know, we all went out to the ice hockey game. So, you know, it's a, a very natural process. It's not five days of sitting in a room doing intensive counseling. I mean, it's, it's much more natural than that. So, again, the first day, I don't really have an agenda. I just kind of let things flow. You know, my focus is on building rapport and getting to know everybody. And then um, you mentioned that, yes, there are times we actually stay in the home with the family. We're kind of like a house guest, you know, and we're like the fly on the wall. We're observing, you know, all the family dynamics and interactions and seeing how their parents respond. I mean, this is very interesting and intriguing work. I mean, who else would actually get to experience five days on the inside? <laughs> I mean, it's pretty mind-boggling. You know, I mean, just yeah, think absolutely. of all the traditional providers out there that provide services, therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists. How many of those folks do you suppose have been in the family home and 
actually experience things from the inside. So we have a, you know, a very unique angle where we can really learn and absorb a lot about the family in a very short period of time. So there are other times we also, uh, for whatever reason, don't stay in the home. Maybe logistically it's not practical, uh, or maybe the family just prefer we stay on the outside. In that case, we stay someplace close by, and we would come in and out of the home. You know, sometimes uh, there are uh, small living quarters, and it's just not feasible. So we would need to do that. And if I could just jump in and say, you know, it's, I, I would imagine that for some folks listening, they think, wow, well, who, who would, you know, who would do that? <laughs> who would, um, you know, in, invite a total stranger into their home um, to, you know, sort of look at those dynamics and, and be observed for five days, so to speak. And, you know, I want to be clear that, as Charles said, you know, it's not about sort of sitting around with a pen and notebook um, taking notes for five days. It's, it's really about getting in there and, and building rapport and helping people feel comfortable, but also observing those dynamics. And the families um, that are open to this family preservation model that PRN provides are often families that are really, um, you know, are often at the end of their rope. They've really struggled for a while and they, um, you know, they, they are aware that something needs to change and they're really committed to um, trying to make things, you know, better in their family. And so, um, again, it's, you know, we, we see uh, families that have been in crisis for a long time or um, are really, again, wanting something different, wanting to heal as a family and are, are willing to say, yes, we'll, we'll have you come in and, and help us in this way um, because, we do. We really acknowledge that things are not working um, the way that they they currently have been. The way things have currently been going, and we really want something different for our family. So there is definitely often, you know, a commitment on the part of the family and um, and a, this real openness to saying things are not going well. We want them to be better. So you know, and I'm glad you you brought that up because I'm sure folks are wondering. Well, you know. Um, what situations really um, inspire you know families to to feel like this is you know the, the the intervention that they need you know that they are at a point of really opening themselves up and saying we need help and we really need somebody here uh, on site with us to to get a good handle on this. Well, you know, I think there's um, you know two uh, sides to this. Well, first of all. A student that's actually in the home um, and really struggling with his family or her family um, and have exhausted many of the, you know, local community resources. They've been in therapy. They've been in group, you know, they're, you know, maybe seeing a psychiatrist. They're struggling in school. Um, parents feeling like they have exhausted a lot of those local resources and are really contemplating, you know, some uh, next steps that might involve, you know, looking at outside resources, sending their student away to an outside program, right? So I think that's, that would, would be one answer, right? Um, you know, I think crisis clearly motivates families to take 
you know, next steps. And, you know, uh, you know, sometimes students that are failing out of school, for example, or, you know, struggling with depression, uh, or, you know, there are situations where, you know, students are engaging in, you know, self-harm. I mean, there are a variety of, of different scenarios. And it doesn't just have to be the student, you know. We work with many parents that are struggling themselves. Um, mm-hmm. For example, struggling, struggling in their own interpersonal relationships. Uh, maybe their marriage is on the rocks. Uh, parents that are not on the same page when it comes to parenting. A common uh, dynamic, for example, is one parent being very involved uh, in the day-to-day parenting and another parent being somewhat removed. You know, mm-hmm. we work with a lot of professional dads that are oftentimes away from the family on travel or caught up in, in their careers that may not be that present. Um, so unbalanced parenting could be, you know, another uh, scenario. And then on the back end, um, oftentimes we get called in when a student has been sent uh, to an outside intervention and is completing a program and graduating and ready to return back to the community. And oftentimes what happens is the student has done a lot of work and has a lot of new tools and resources, but the parents are kind of stuck in a place pre the intervention. And oftentimes they're very apprehensive and clueless about, you know, what do I expect from my student? You know, how do I prepare myself? How do I avoid you know, falling back into the same old pants. And so a lot of times we get called on the, on the back end as well when the student is transitioning or reintegrating back into the community. I think that's really a critical point. You know, it, um, I mean, here at Westbridge, we've, you know, we work really closely with families and, and our experience is that family members are, are the, the pace of change, you know, the different paces of change for different family members can really create tension in the whole system, right? Because maybe um, the identified client in your case is, you know, like you said, has been been to uh, been to treatment and, and learned a lot and is making steps, but the family hasn't been part of the, the process and are um, still operating out of sort of the crisis mode and and feeling super vigilant or, uh, you know, not having been able to kind of walk the same path at the same time as their loved one. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And I, um, I think, you know, what I would say too to that, Jonathan, is that, you know, we often have um, uh, organizations like Westbridge call us and say, well, you know, we've been working with this family and they're really ready to transition home in a lot of ways on an emotional level. They really want their loved one to be at home, but they're feeling really um, scared. They're feeling really anxious about the transition and aren't really sure um, if they have all the resources they need for this to work well, for this to be a successful transition. And um, many times we will then come in to provide the support and we'll stay, we'll sometimes we'll stay involved with the family for quite some time um, to, you know, at, at different levels to support them both in 
crisis mode and in order to help them build a set of resources around themselves. And um, you had brought up this idea that sometimes, you know, that it's the sort of identified patient who is the focus um, at the outset of this transition. And then over time, we'll sometimes see that, you know, the, the stress or the tension in the family move around a bit. Um, so that where we come in with a primary focus on supporting an adolescent or a young adult in transitioning home and being healthy, staying clean and sober, for example, or staying out of higher-risk activities, developing um, stronger relationships at school and and um, with those supports, we will then find ourselves working with the parents and really supporting them in getting into treatment that they need, um, going to see therapists, going to see a therapist, working on their marriage, um, uh, developing stronger parenting skills, or uh, parenting another child in the family a little differently. So we sure. definitely are, again, focused on that whole system, and we see the, the stress and the tension move around in the family as we continue to support them over time, and different family right. members are doing better. Our goal is to really strengthen the core of the family so that no matter what tension arises, no matter what arises over time, that they then have some resources to handle those crises. Right. When we come back from the break, we'll talk more about how the whole system changes and also how in this model you work within the community to help strengthen those the, the network of recess, resources and the safety system. So, uh, again, we'll be back uh, in a couple minutes after the break. listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. 
You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. And welcome back again, everybody. This is Jonathan Rupier, your guest host today for One Hour at a Time. Our two guests today are Charles Elias and Mary Jo DeGrandi, and we're talking about the family preservation model, which is a community-based model of support for families that are struggling. And Charles and uh, Mary Jo both work for PRN for Families, which is a home-based program for families who have children or teenagers who are at risk. So, um, you know, we, we were talking before... Um, before the break about the intensive uh, assessment process and initial consultation that, that you do with families in this model. And um, can you tell us a little bit more, Charles, about you know, how do you determine what becomes a priority to work on with a family? Well, you know, once we've, you know, kind of done our rapport building and getting to know the family, um, a lot of what we do is very experiential and hands-on. You know, we do a lot of uh, family-based activities, team builders, uh, um, you know, uh, icebreakers, etc., because we want to see and observe interaction between the family. Uh, we also do some more formalized testing, and the testing is focused on, you know, the family system. So we might be looking at a family functioning or family cohesion or parenting styles or, you know, strengths and challenges of, uh, parents. Um, we use several different tools um, to assess, you know, the the family um, functioning as a whole, and then we also do some personality testing. So we try to look at every aspect of family life and consider in considering what the needs of the family are. Um, and then we also, you know, will have a series of individual meetings where we do some formal assessment, and we'll also do a lot of individual and family activities where we're, you know, working either individually or collectively with the whole family system. So it's not a whole lot of sitting around. I mean, there are parts of our process that do involve uh, some some written paperwork, but, uh, you know, we're very interested with, you know, kind of how the family functions moment by moment and less interested on, you know, kind of the more, the history and, you know, uh, what I would call the core issues when we, where, you know, our our efforts are really uh, looking into how families kind of operate. Right. So what kind of things are you assessing for with that? I mean, you mentioned that, you know, you'll have some activities. Could you give an example of what that might look like? Well, I think some of the things that we assess for are, for example, family cohesion, right? We want to see how families uh, interact. You know, are they working together as a team? You know, a lot of times you'll be working with uh, an adolescent and the adolescent might be detached from the family. For example, I'm thinking of one particular client where a 16-year-old young man is part of a family of six. There's four boys and and two parents, you know, spends a lot of time locked in his room gaming, Mm -hmm. right? So he's isolating himself from the rest of the family, and we can 
see that pretty quickly, right? Uh, and of course, in this day and age, you know, technology is a big distraction. So a lot of our clients are in, engaged in either gaming or messaging or Snapchat or any one of those things that will distract them from quality of life with their family. Um, so, you know, for example, you know, back in the day, you know, families would always sit down and eat dinner together, right? And, and I think nowadays, you know, that's to a lesser extent. You know, there are a lot of competing factors with extracurricular activities and, you know, other such things, sports, et cetera, uh, parents coming home late from work. Sometimes it's really difficult to have everybody together for, for a dinner like that. Um, so, you know, we're, all of those things are variables. But, you know, overall we're looking for family cohesion. We're looking for interaction between different family members. We're looking for patterns of behavior. You know, how, how do the kids treat their parents? What sort of level of trust is present? You know, do the siblings get along with each other? How do the parents parent? Are they on the same page? Do they undermine each other? I mean, there's a lot of different pieces. And you're getting a ton of data because you're there intensively for, you know, for several days in a row. And I'm assuming you do this in teams. So you've got, you know, a couple of two or three different perspectives happening all the time, right, where you're, you're really just you're observing, you're probing a little. You're also just, you know, um, you know, doing some formal assessment. So there's, you know... Uh, Again, sort of a you know a different. So well, we normally everything together. We normally have one uh, clinician go into the home at a time because you know I think we found that if we have more than one clinician, it can be kind of intimidating for the family. And so you know our goal as a, as a clinician is to kind of blend into the woodwork, and that's a lot easier to do if you just have one person. Right. And, and then I think, and then I think that the team approach comes in working with, um, you know, the other other professionals that the family may have involved um, already. So oftentimes when we come in, the family is already working with um, a clinician. There's al- there's already a therapist who's working with their child or their young adult. Perhaps um, there is a resource in the school, a guidance counselor or um, dean of students or whomever it is that might be, you know, involved uh, as well and perhaps some disciplinary issues or just, you know, trying to support the family. Perhaps there's a psychiatrist or a psychologist involved. Um, our, you know, we're also looking at during that time, that initial time frame when we're in the community, connecting with those people, getting their perspectives on the family um, historically, how much they, you know, as they've worked with them, what they have seen in terms of uh, strengths and challenges for the family. And then looking to sort of serve as, um, you know, sort of an umbrella, if you will, um, over all of those professionals. And again, bringing in other resources as needed, including very oftentimes, you know, a mentor who might be spending some additional time with that um, adolescent or that young adult, um, maybe to support them and bringing them to support group meetings if that's needed or to extracurriculars or just spending some time and sometimes being in the home with the family. Um, But again, we're looking to be that umbrella that can help make sure all of those folks are communicating and on the same page and that we can really tackle um, issues or crises, crises as they arise as a team, 
again, wrapping around that family to provide as much support as they need to, to get through those rough spots and to build some skills so that they can, um, you know, eventually move through those rough patches or those crises more um, self-sufficiently. Right. So what happens, you know, after all of this information is collected and, um, you know, you're getting a sense of what's going on for a family? Well, once we have compiled all of this uh, information, essentially what we do as a program is we make some recommendations. And then um, before we, we leave the family, we sit down and we have a family meeting. The goal of designing a uh, comprehensive treatment plan for the family. So we make the recommendations and then we sit down with the family to get their buy-in and we develop a master plan. And then once we leave the home, um, you know, the focus for the next 30 days is really on how do we implement the plan. You know, and part of that is that we as uh, an agency focus on you know, being kind of the gatekeeper of the plan and the liaison to many of the other professionals. So because we're an outreach program, a lot of the time we're, we may not be based in the same community as the family. So, you know, we are, we are focusing and plugging in support the family need locally and being able to manage those. So there may be uh, a therapist involved or there may be a psychiatrist involved. And, you know, we're always collaborating with the schools. I mean, our, our goal is to not reinvent the wheel, right? I mean, we, right. we want to build a local support system to surround the family. And then essentially what we do is we manage it, right? So that eventually when we do pull out, you know, the family is left with the local support team, you know, whether it be a mentor or a therapist or you know, a psychiatrist. And then the other, another critical piece to all of this is actually helping the family to manage that plan. So, you know, it's one thing to, to have the conversation of what does this plan look like and get everybody's verbal agreement that this is what they're going to do. Um, and then, however, then we leave and life goes on and challenges arise. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, you know, we're really in there, um, you know, on the phone or via video conference you know, 24-7 for crises, but also on a regular scheduled basis weekly to sort of check in. How are things going? How, you know, is this working? Do we need to tweak um, some of this plan a little bit to work better with what's going on in your family? So we're really assisting the family in making sure that this whole idea, this whole plan that we've constructed with them is doable or workable, and um, if if things are coming up that are challenge that are challenges for them, um, are there other resources that we need to pull into play, or um, or might we need to again tweak that plan a little bit so that it works better to meet the needs of the family? Right. So it sounds like you know, um, I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting. It sounds a little bit like Extreme Makeover Home Edition, you know, where you're coming in and and there's a very intensive process, and then you know you're kind of handing things back over to the family, but you're also providing the, the community support around it. So, you know, um, in that analogy, you've got, you know, the plumbers lined up in case there's a problem and the electricians lined up, uh, et cetera. So um, it sounds like it's certainly a really comprehensive approach to um, not just working with that family but, but building their connections. And uh, so when we come back from the break, we'll, 
talk a little bit more about what that what that connection process looks like and um, how people can get more information about the model. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Ouch! What do you think of when you think of dental procedures? Well, when you think about it, the teeth and the rest of the body are strongly connected. What happens in one part affects the other. In the Tooth Body Connection with host Dr. Don Ewing, we'll explain more about these concepts as well as discuss the role that your teeth play in your overall health. You'll learn about amalgams and how removing them the wrong way can be toxic to your body. Tune in Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Every day, you hear so much about different aspects of the health and wellness field. One day, you hear one thing, and the next day, you hear something that contradicts what you heard the day before. How do you know what's right? Try tuning in to The Cutting Edge of Health and Wellness today with Dr. Neil Nathan. Our goal is to educate and explore this field with guest experts in order to help you take control of your health and well-being. Listen Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. And welcome back, everybody. This is your guest host, Jonathan Ruthier. And today's episode of One Hour at a Time is focused on family preservation, a community-based model of support for struggling families. And our two guests today are Charles Elias and Mary Jo DeGrandi, both from PRN for Families, which is a home-based program uh, to help families who have children or teenagers who have been having difficulty and maybe at risk of being separated from their families. So um, just before the break, you know, we were talking about how um, uh, in this model you work really intensively with communities, and, um, you know, one of, the, one of the questions that I had is, uh, you know, a lot of times there's, a, there's an identified person in the family who's having a hard time, and maybe they've already had connections in the community, like you've mentioned, to a therapist or to a psychiatrist and or a guidance counselor or somebody at school maybe a, uh, you know, a clergy person. So, but, but the way you work with folks is, is from a different understanding, right? It's about there being not just something wrong with one person, but volatility in the overall system in which that person resides and lives. 
and um, is being supported. Right. And I think that, you know, it's really important. Um, that's a really important point, Jonathan, that, you know, we're coming in and looking at the whole system because we know that that sort of can be a moving target, uh, right? That whole mm-hmm. term of identified patient where the crisis emerges often in one um, member of the family, but there is often, you know, volatility or disruption in other places that we want to look at. And there are also strengths in other places that we want to look at. Um, we want to come in and meet families where they're at um, and really help to shore up those, um, you know, those, those strengths um, and bring those to the forefront um, and, and help them to look at and make adjustments to strengthen the, the places that aren't so strong. Um, I think that uh, we were talking about on break, um, you know, Charles mentioned the family preservation model is a well-researched um, model that's been around for about 30 years and it has a lot of, um, there's a lot of evidence that it's a, it's a proven model. It works um, when we wrap around families and help support all members of the family and not just one piece or one part of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I would imagine in some ways that's very empowering both for the person who has the identified, you know, problem, but also for the rest of the family because they they realize maybe there's something that they can do to help change the whole process and the whole outcome. Well, one of the things is, you know, oftentimes when students are struggling, you know, when they see their parents doing work, they are more inspired and motivated to do work themselves. Because, you know, a lot of times, you know, the finger gets pointed in one direction or the other. And when mm-hmm. everybody is committed to a process, you know, I think it's a lot easier, especially when you have a rebellious teenager. They see their parents have got skin in the game, then they're more apt to jump on board. Uh, so I think that makes it, you know, much easier. One, one, of the other, one other thing I wanted to say is that, you know, which I think is important, is our program has a big parenting component. And, you know, we have uh, connected up with a parenting model called Love and Logic. And, you know, a lot of our families are trained in this model, and we use resources from the Love and Logic parenting model to, you know, help our parents set up realistic uh, boundaries and expectations. And this is a really nuts and bolts approach to parenting. And it's really about common sense and natural logical consequences. So, you know, I think that's very important because a lot of what we're dealing with here are, you know, where kids are testing limits or violating boundaries or expectations that have been implemented in the family. Right. Well, or there are, or there are, you know, some m- mental health issues, or um, you know, in substance abuse issues, issues that arise that are sort of outside of um, the parents' realm of experience, and they're sort of at a loss, and they need um, additional skills in order to be able to manage things that they didn't expect <laughs> um, when they were, you know, starting a family. Um, and so right. I think that those are, that's really about sort of strengthening, again, um, the resources that families do have to, to manage their, their family. Well, well I would imagine there's of... a lot of intergenerational issues, too, that you need to address. Because, you know, how do we learn to become parents by being parented, right? So 
um, in a lot of cases. What, what I was going to say is parenting is kind of a balancing act, right? Because there is no handbook. And, you know, of course, there are many different scenarios uh, with families. And, you know, parents are oftentimes struggling to know how much or how little do they do they do? You know, you get the parents that are the helicopters and they're hovering over the kids and then you get the parents that, you know, are so removed where, you know, the kids are running wild. So it really is a balancing act in terms of parenting. And again, um, you know, I think Charles has mentioned this a couple of times as well, you know, figuring out how parents are are or can support each other better. You know, oftentimes we have disrupted family systems where there are, you know, step-parents involved as well or, you know, um, uh, families that are are divorced. Um, And, you know, we really are looking to help um, all members of that family uh, realign their roles so that the parents have the ability to parent well um, and constructively and as much as possible on the same page um, so that, you know, again, children and young adults are being supported and know sort of where the boundaries are, which is often really helpful as they're trying to figure out their own place. Right. Well, I, I would you know, I would think that just, you know, having some education and, you know, having a team like yours, you know, supporting them, that would that would really enable parents to feel like, okay, there's there's something happening here that I can be supported in and I'm not sort of flying by the seat of my pants. But I'm sure it's also uncomfortable at times because everybody in the system has to look at what their role is and how, how they need to shift in order for the results to be different. Oh. No, definitely. And again, that goes back to, I think, what we were talking about earlier, uh, you know, a level of willingness on the part of the the parents um, to take a look at their own stuff, um, you know, to take a look at the places that they may need to change. Um, They have to be receptive. Um, And I think that we, our role is to really be honest and straightforward and direct with them um, to not sugarcoat things so much um, and to support them in again, finding their own resources um, so that they can uh, parent better, so that they can be healthier themselves um, in order to parent uh, better and more effectively, often in the face of challenging circumstances. Um, So I think that that's, you know, that's not to be, um, you know, I I don't think we can stress that enough that, you know, parents, I think we, we come with the premise that everybody in the family is doing the best that they can. Um, and so if we start from that place, I think then we can also acknowledge that doing the best that they can also means seeking support so that they can do better. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, you know, the, um, I'm sure our audience is interested in, you know, how they can learn more about the model and um, what kind of resources are out there to, uh, you know, if they have families in mind that they need uh, to get some resources for. So could you tell us a little bit more about how, how they could get more information? Well, um, we have a website, of course, uh, which is prnforfamilies.com, all spelled out in less letters. Um, and um, if, they, if any families out there have uh, potential questions or just want a free consult, um, you know, have a scenario they want to share with us. Um, we have a toll-free line 
uh, where we, um, you know, man doing regular uh, business hours, uh, which is 888-762-5973. That's 888-762-5973. And again, the website is prn4families.com, all spelled out in letters. Great. And if folks go on to our website, they'll also see that there's um, there's a way that they can send a message to uh, you know to our team and have someone re- reach out to them directly as well for more information. Terrific. And just well, and just um, as a side Charles note, Charles we, Joe, we, do we have time? Just as a side note, we operate anywhere in the U.S. Uh, it doesn't really matter where you are or what state you are. Well, Charles and uh, Mary Jo, I want to thank you both for coming on the show today. Um, I know it was really helpful information for our listeners, and we wish you all uh, a great week this first week of September coming up into 2015. Thank you. Thanks so so much, much, Jonathan. It's been a pleasure. Mary, thank you both. We appreciate you joining us today for One Hour at a Time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week.